You heard me say it, and I believe it wholeheartedly, that if you lead with identity, everything else will follow. But I've had the experience in my work of coming in contact with individuals who want what follows, but aren't willing to lead with identity. It used to bother me and I could not figure out why they did not want to lead with identity. Then it dawned on me that people think that doing identity work means that you're broken. When in fact, it has nothing to do with brokenness and it's not an attempt to fix you. Identity work is about coming in alignment with who you are and not fixing, but honoring who you are and building a brand that is most authentic to who you are. So if you're ready to leave with identity and become a supernormal superstar, visit YourSupernormal.com right now and let's do the work. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, everybody? My name is Clifton Pettyjohn, and you are listening to Transformation Radio, where we transform lives through purposeful conversations. Transformation Radio. I know how the circumstances may look. 
and I know how the circumstances may seem. But there is victory against all odds. Because God is the greatest power. Welcome back to Transformation Radio. That's right, Transformation Radio, where we transform lives through purposeful conversations. My name is Clifton Pettyjohn, and as a life coach, I provide tools and strategies to transition you from a life of merely existing to living a life full of purpose. As I said, welcome back to the show, and I hope From the intro song, you understand, because God is the greatest power, you shall never be defeated. I don't care what you're going through right now, how it may look, what it may sound like right now, understand you shall not be defeated. All right, listen, let's get going. We have a great guest on tonight, but before I get to the guest, y'all already know, 
I like to lay some ground rules, okay? Now, I open up the phone lines throughout the entire show. Why? Because what is a conversation without each and every one of you being able to be involved? Now, with that in mind, I want us to understand that we must be respectful of my guests, myself, and other callers, even if we disagree with something that's said. Yes, the reality is on this show, I have guests with divergent backgrounds. Everything that's said, you are not going to agree with, and that's okay. But we must learn to disagree from a place of respect and growth. And when we learn to disagree from a place of respect and growth, then we all can learn from each other and we end up creating a better world for each and every one of us to live in, okay? Now, also, I just want you to know, I'm going to limit callers' times to one minute. That's right, one minute. Each caller will have one minute. If you go over that minute, yes, I will hang up on you. Don't take it personal. Just understand, I want to leave enough time for our guests to share their story with us as well as enough time for other callers to be able to call in and join the conversation as well, all right? Now, the call-in number is 516-387-1756. Again, 516-387-1756. Now, before we go on, I have a question for each and every one of you. Are you enjoying these December shows? Those who watch us on a regular basis, you understand that usually we have two shows a month. Transformation Radio airs the fourth Friday of every month, and Transformation Radio 2.0 airs the third Monday of every month. But because this month is so special to me, because it's my birthday month, um, I wanted to provide something to our listening audience that I had yet to provide. So what I did was I collected a group of people that are changing this world and impacting this world in a manner that I've never seen it impacted before. And each and every one of them is doing so in a unique manner. And I want to show that diversity because I want each and every one of you out there listening to understand that, yes, the vision, the dream that you're holding on to, it sounds crazy. It sounds impossible. It seems as if you lost your mind. And listen, if it's not crazy, impossible, and it doesn't seem like you lost your mind, it just isn't big enough yet. But I want you guys to understand that people from all walks of life, each and every one of our guests, comes from a different space, a different time, you know, a, a different uh, reality. But each and every one of them is doing what they were created to do. And I want you to understand that you are able to do what you were created to do. So without further ado, I've talked enough. I want to invite or welcome <laughs> to the show our guest for tonight, Mr. Michael McMillan, Jr. How are you, sir? I'm good, brother. How are you? Awesome, awesome. I'm great, man. Welcome to the show. Again, thank you for joining us on tonight. I know that this is a conversation, as I always say with each and every one of our guests, where people's lives are going to be impacted in a major way. Amen. <laughs> All right. 
So let's get going here. I always like to start with a light question, and lately I've been using the same question because I like to hear everybody's answer with this question. I think it tells me a lot about the individual. So if you could have one superpower, what would that superpower be and why? If I could have one superpower, what would it be? Hmm. I think that superpower would be um, able to basically make people whole, not see that people are healed because healing is different than being made whole. Yeah, uh, basically, yeah. mind, body, and soul, I want to see people basically made whole. And with that being said, with them being made whole, they can live life to its fullest and just be happy wherever, however, you know, way that looks for them. Right, right. And, again, I always, like I said, I ask that question because it tells me a lot about each and every guest. And we're going to talk about that a little later as we go through the interview. But here's what I want to start with after that question. I want to play a game of word association, okay? I have five words. I want you to tell me either the first word that comes to mind when you hear these words or um, if it's a phrase that comes to mind. Whatever comes to mind, I just want you to share whatever comes to mind when I say the word, okay? Got it. Okay. The first word is life, life. Life. <laughs> life. Um I would associate that word to uh, living. Mm -hmm. Life is living. Now, do you believe that a lot of people are at a state where they are living or are at a state where they, and I don't want to just categorize people, but, you know, people that you come across, do you feel like they are living life or they are just merely existing at times? Well, I believe a lot of people are basically just existing. So they're here existing. They're a part. They're a part of life, but they're not living life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so how they're does here. One they're, get they're, you know, everyone that's that's able to walk, talk, and breathe. You know, we have mm -hmm. life. But the the question is, are they living it? You know, and like you said, uh, existing. So yeah, with life you exist, and so we're just here. But what are you doing? You know, how are you doing right. it? You know, are 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 you are you are you are you walking it out? You know, are you walking in your calling? Are you, you know, not walking in your calling? You know, are you living in depression? Are you living in oppression? Are you living in fear? Are you living in uh, basically living under uh, under someone else's? You know, uh, some someone else's dream right. or, you know, religion or tradition. All those different things can come in these many categories. <laughs> And you, you said so much right in that. Now, I want to ask you a question. Uh, was there ever a time where you found yourself where you weren't really living life per se? You know, you were just like existing, and I call it kind of like a zombie type state. Like you just go through the motions. You know how to make it work on a day-to-day -day basis, but you're not really like fulfilling your purpose and enjoying your life. Yeah. I think I think that question is good, but I think even as you were uh, 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 stating it, I was thinking, and I think most of us don't even know 
half of the time that, again, we're just existing and we're just going from day to day or we're just doing the familiar. You know, we're doing what we know to do and doing what we know to do is what's right. You know, we know it's right, right. to go to church every Sunday or or how we grew up in many words. So it becomes a routine. It becomes a flow. Right. It becomes something we do over and over. Um, so, yeah, there was a time um, I would say that. Yeah, and I think I really – Huh, maybe two years ago, two two or three years ago, I really just kind of went into a, a deep depression, you know, because okay. it was a plethora of things. I, you know, I was taking care of my ill father at the time and, you know, uh, being in ministry and um, working in the secular world and relationships and, you know, um, me struggling with my identity and so many things just hit me at one time. You know, um, and it really hit me to where I had to, you know, basically find myself, you know, in a dark place and, you know, really question and really uh, sit down and question myself and really be okay with myself and be okay with a whole bunch of things and saying no and letting go and moving forward. It was just a plethora of things that I had to come come to grips with. Mm. And when you finally were ready to come to grips with it, you you feel as if, you know, that was like a transformative moment in your life. You know, I know it wasn't just like an overnight thing, you know, um, but that began your whole process of living and experiencing life like in a whole nother uh, level or at a whole nother level or dimension. Absolutely. Because, um, I mean, being a preacher and growing up, I, I spoke about life all the time and you know, reiterate scriptures mm -hmm. and I come that you might have life and life this and life that. And mm -hmm. I did not really realize what life really should be or how, how it should feel and all those different things really until I'm 35, the last two or three years of my life, basically, when life really started to hit, you know, things really started to happen. And being an adult, like I said, my father died two years ago, you know, burying my dad, like, you know, being responsible for him and his care at the time. Uh, traveling to and fro, and, you know, my dad at the time was only 49. He had a stroke. He died at 53. Um, you know, at that age, you know, of course, like, you know, his father died when he was in his 70s, and, you know, you want to see your parents live to, you know, at least to, like, I guess 40s, 50s, or some some people 60s. So, yeah, all of that right. really just um, made me come into a different awareness of things, you know, um, and, and I had to really speak to me you know, and really find out what was good for me, what wasn't good for me anymore, what made Mike happy. Because like I said earlier, growing up, I, you know, being the only child for my mom and growing up in the church and being in the church so heavy and different things, you know, you hear a lot of people, you should do this, you should be that, you know. Right. Uh, God is saying this over your life, and God wants you to do this. And you and you go through those things, and you you find yourself mm -hmm. doing those things, not saying it wasn't God. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Some of it wasn't. Some of it was. But it's really, you know, right. a, 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 a makeup of your family and and um, a makeup of uh, religion and tradition and all those different things. And so I believe many of us struggle with that. We we go through and, and you know, you should be this. Like I said, I'm the only child, and I'm the only boy. So when you having a kid or why are you not married, you know, and we allow those things to, uh, you know, those seeds to plant. And, uh, you know, again, that's when we find ourselves – you know, well, maybe I should go do this, or maybe you know what I mean. But what what is what are what are you saying to you? Say it again. And I I think you hit you hit the key right there. Like, what are you saying to you? And, and I I can say that um, 
you know, you were hitting a lot of stuff. As you were hitting a lot of stuff, I was like, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, some of the things that I went to, like, you become mm-hmm. so accustomed to doing everything that everybody believes you should do, tells you you should do. And, you know, I believe a lot of them, for the most part, had our best interests at hand. But I want to ask you a question. When you when you came to that realization, did you face the reality, like, in life that you realized that it was some, you didn't even know some of the things you wanted, some of the things that you liked, some of the things that, you know, you desired to do yourself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, I'll just go on to say this. It wasn't until I really practiced what I preach. And I used to always mm. say, you got to get to a point where you're delivered from people. I was never, I never yes, practiced yeah. that for a long time until recently even down not only to people but family as well, family, those that you, people that you know. Once you get to the place where you're delivered from them, their opinions, their perceptions, their wants, their needs, uh, their ways, yeah. what they think, and really, really tapping in, into you and self and who God made you to be and what he's doing and how he's opening doors. Because most of the stuff, I mean, when you look at most of our lives and some of the things we do, yeah, we thank God for again friends and certain, you know, our family, whatever else. But I can honestly say for me, a lot of stuff that I've done, if it had not been for the grace of God, you know, I don't, I can't even credit. And I won't. I won't credit my family. Mm-hmm. Or I won't credit certain friends. You know what right. I mean? Okay. Uh, certain certain mm-hmm. situations and certain things. But a lot of things, it was it was really me, you know, um, and God in his favor, putting me in places and allowing people to come right. my way and be a blessing, et cetera, et cetera. And so I had to look at that and recognize, like, wow, you know, God, family may not or friends may not believe, you know, they may not believe this way, but you're showing me this way. And if I would allow what I wasn't familiar with to get in the way of, you know, what, what I'm seeing now, I, I could have missed out on many things. And I actually have missed out on many things because I was afraid. Yeah, or, you know, when I did share with friends or certain people, I don't think you should do that. Oh, I don't think you should go there. Oh, I don't like that person. Oh, I don't like this. You know what I mean? So once you let all that get mm-hmm. into your spirit and into your mind, now you you know you start questioning yourself. But before you started even questioning yourself, you felt like it was something you wanted to do. But you allowed again those those right. other little chattery things to block you. You know. Right, right. So you have to basically begin to detox yourself from all of that stuff. Now, how did you get, because you were talking about being delivered from people, and I believe that sometimes that gets thrown around a lot, uh, So, uh, mm-hmm. and it, be, it has lost the weight of what it really means. How did you get to that point? Because I know a lot of people who I've talked to that still wrestle with that. Like They're like, I really want to be, and I thought I was, and I know I've experienced it in my life as well, where I thought I was delivered from people, and then another situation comes up, and I'm looking at the situation and realizing, whoa, wait a minute. You yeah. still hooked there a little yeah. bit. That's a residue. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 you know, even saying delivered, deliver, being delivered and deliverance, you know, two different things. Mm-hmm. Right now I can say I'm delivered. I feel free. I'm done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Deliverance is a process. Mm-hmm. Um, process. It's, Come it's on. not overnight. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a process. Right. And so with that being said, even what you're saying, you still feel the tug and those things because you're still going through the process basically. Right, right. Now, 
I'm still going through the process. When I look at family, when I look at friends, and when I'm around, I am still going through the process. Trust me, I am. Um, But even as I'm going through the process, I'm speaking over myself and I'm speaking to myself. So if there's something I don't want to do that, again, we've done for whatever else, I'm I'm just going to say no and then deal with, you know, the attitudes or deal with whatever else that may come with the territory. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I said, uh, uh, you know, being delivered and deliverance is is two different things. And deliverance is a process. It's it's, it's not overnight. So Mm -hmm. most of us, again, you know, whatever we're going through is going to be a process. But even in that process, you know, as you begin to do the work, you know, when things occur, you'll be able to recognize. You know, you'll be able to call it out. You know, you'll be able to be okay with being rejected. You'll be okay with them not liking you because you already know them. (laughs) That's number one. Right, right. I think most of us, if we sit back and look at certain situations and people, we already know them. We already know their response. We already know how they're going to have an attitude. We already know how they're going, oh, I'm not going to talk to you. Okay, so be it. Such is life. Right. (laughs) Right, real talk. That's right. And it's crazy how you just said, like, we already know them, but sometimes when we're not careful, we'll still get caught up in it and thinking and mm-hmm. expecting something different than what we already know. Mhm. Absolutely. Okay, let's get to the Absolutely. Second, let's get to the second word here. Let's get to the second word here cuz we just started talking about life. I love to talk about life though. That's why I was like let's keep talking about it. But the second word is transformation. 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 Um, I believe life life is trans is transforming and can be transforming as as you're living. So as 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 we get older, as we uh, experience different things, uh, go through different things in life, I believe that transform us. Period. It can transform us for the positive or for the negative. So it's according to again what what occurred or what's taking place or what had taken place. For you to see the transformation in that. Got you. Good, good, good. And, and what and transformation already- means is, uh, what transformation means is to basically not to re- repeat the cycle. It's to transform. Mm-hmm. It's to change. Mm-hmm. And if you're not changing or transforming, then uh, you know we're stagnant. We're going through the cycle. We're going through, right. you know, the, the emotional roller coaster of, of life. Mm-hmm. But life is all about I transforming. Like Even, yeah, life is all about transforming. Even Jesus, I mean, as 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 he was on his way to the cross, like he was transforming. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 I like that. I use that about. example a lot. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. No, I said I, I always use that story of Jesus as he's being crucified on his mm-hmm. way to the cross because we see him as a, a man, you know, just a regular flesh and, you know, through the thorns being placed on his head, the, the spitting and the beating, that's all transformation. He's being transformed, right. you know, um, even as they pierce him in the side and, you know, blood and then water comes out. Like he's, he's transforming and then through all of that, then he yields, you know, and that's us. That's that's life as well, you know, through all of right. the – 
uh, crucif- crucifixion and crucifying and gossip and being talked about, being ridiculed, being rejected, being all those different things. We're being crucified, so we're being transformed. So either we can take it for a positive, uh, you know, outlook, or we can make it negative and and allow it to continue to happen, or we can just take it and, like I said, make it us and make it power. <laughs> Right, right. And I think sometimes when when we hear transformation, uh, sometimes we get caught up on the beauty of what it becomes, and we miss sometimes the ugliness of the process, if I can use those words. Um, As you were talking about Jesus hitting to the cross, all the things that he went through, but the beauty that was birthed from it, we love the beauty part of it. You know, but we have to go through that process ourselves in order for that beautiful thing to be birthed. Right. Okay. Right. Next one. Right. Love. Uh, love. <laughs> love. Um, I, I'll go back. I think we don't we don't reiterate that word enough, especially being believers, and even if we're not believers. Uh, love in itself is this powerful period, and and First Corinthians thirteen tells us what it what it is. But most of all, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And I often tell people, even in that scripture, when He said, I, you know, God so loved the world, He didn't specify who in the world, as far as black, white, you know, different ethnicities or races or whatever. Right. He it says the world, you know, so. If God loved an entire world to send his son to die for an entire world, you know, of different faces and different issues and those things, why can't we love one another that we see every day, you know, love one another whether we like what people do or not? Because the truth of the matter is, I mean, we all have our beliefs. We are all uh, engraved with some kind of beliefs or feel a kind of way. We may not agree with certain things, et cetera, et cetera, but until people filter all those things out, they would never really be able to love for real, for real. And what I mean by that is that love that, again, that, that just does not care. It does not matter what what the person looks like, act like, be like. Who cares? I love you, you know? And I think if we have more love, in, you know, for, for the world and for each other, you know, our young people and the generation behind us, again, they, they wouldn't be wilding out. <laughs> right. Going into... um different situations because I believe a lot of people are seeking, you know, for a, a, a missing piece of fulfillment. You know, some of us didn't come from homes or people didn't come from homes where there was real love. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking right. about beating. I'm not talking about spanking and chest ties. I love you because I do this. No, I'm talking about right. attention. I'm talking about affection. You know, I had I, one time as an example, I re- realized I didn't, you know, when I dated um, when I was dating girls, um, I wouldn't do public affection. I was not that guy. Mm-hmm. And one day it hit me, and I had to sit down and say, well, you know what? Why, why we got to argue every time she want to hold hands and I don't? You know, and I look back. I wasn't privy to that growing up. Right. I didn't see my grandparents hold hands or kiss. You know, I didn't, I didn't even see my mom really do that in front of me. You know, I know they did stuff behind mm-hmm. closed doors, but they didn't do it around me, and right. I kind of grew to appreciate it, but then I look back and say, oh, I appreciate it, but no. You know, that, what, what example was that really for me? Because I didn't think they loved each other. Not saying they didn't, right? you know, 
But we watching TV and we seeing married couples doing all this and da da da. But I don't see it in front of me in real time. So it's just like, <laughs> right. Yeah, but man. that that's so true, and and it's important, like you said, for the generation that's to come to see those healthy examples. Because you just gave an example, I can say the same thing with me. Like, I it affected a lot of my relationships. Um, first with females, then with males as well, because it was like I never saw that. So when you never see it, you know that's mm-hmm. that's the pattern that you you follow until you, you mark that cycle. Right. I get it. Right. Okay. Let's talk about freedom. 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 Uh, when I think of the word freedom, um, I just think of, 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 of you just, just uh, I think of happiness. I think of peace. Um, I think of fulfillment. Um, I think of just not a care in the world. When it comes to freedom, you know, uh, I think of sacrifice too with freedom, because even as you, as we and you, I, whoever, the world, as as people begin to tell their story, that's that's freedom, and mm-hmm. in freedom, there's rejection, <laughs> you know, yeah, there's ridicule, there's questions, there's a whole bunch of things. But when you're free for real, when those things come, you can own it, you can accept it, you can explain it. You can uh, uh, agree to disagree. You can talk about it. You know what I mean? Because you're free. Right. And that's yeah, where I am. That's how I feel right now. You know? Um, yes, even in freedom, I do believe it's still a deliverance process. There's still a process. Mm-hmm. There's still a process in everything. Because everything don't happen overnight. There's still there's still a molding. Mm-hmm. There's still a shaping. But um, I believe in freedom, there's also, it should be a standard. You know, right? There shouldn't be a you know right. because you're not comfortable. I'm okay. Well, if you're that okay, I respect you, but this is this is what makes me happy. This is who I am. And if you don't respect me, love me, whatever, then such is life. Nice knowing you. Moving on. Exactly. But yeah, in freedom, exactly. it, it, it should it should exemplify you know um, uh, a, a, a lifting. You know, a lifting of weight, a lifting of just everything. People should, you know, when you're free, people people notice it. You know, whether they compliment right. complimented or not, people notice. And I like where you you uh, parallel freedom to your owning your story, being able to express your story. That's one of the reasons why I created this platform is that we can have people on that are free to share their story so that others can hear it and gain that freedom themselves because I know there's a lot of part of our stories sometimes that we run from or we're afraid of sharing with other people or we got a small group of people we share it with. But I want people to understand that there's freedom in being you. There's a great freedom in being you. Like I tell people all the time, I don't think I gain freedom until about the age of 30. You know, my 20s were wow. locked and bound up. You know, when I hit that thirtieth that year it was like, uh uh-uh, uh, I can't do this anymore. This something has to shift, something has to change in my life so that I could live my life, you know, with purpose. I love yeah. that freedom thing. Okay, yeah. last word. It, it, it feels good, it man. Feels... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go ahead. It really does. Mm-hmm. 
Now, here's our last and I, I, There's a quote. Oh, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. No, you're good. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a quote um, I, that dropped in my spirit a couple of months ago. If you look on my Facebook page, it, it says, uh, don't die without your freedom. And, um, mm. you know, that 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 arose basically and and you know came from a place where again uh some stuff that you know a lot of stuff that I had gone through and i took i took ownership and i took the power to say you know what even as i've gone i went through this and i've done this or whatever else this is what i did and this is what i did not do you know so i i refuse to die without me speaking my truth i refuse to die without me you know exemplifying walking in my own life and in my own whatever so I said, don't die without your freedom because when you die, like I said, when I die, everyone's going to know what it is when they come to my funeral or whatever. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need no one to talk, you know, and to say anything that I have not said already, basically. <laughs> I feel you. I like that quote, too, yeah. That's cause, and it's crazy because I, as you were saying it, I was just thinking about a lot of people that I know that before they died, they didn't have that freedom, you know, and it's like, right. wow, I, I didn't I mean, think about, think like about that. superstars. They, I mean, they got, people have coming out with books and, you know, uh, you know, I mean, just telling a side of their story I get, but that other person isn't here to defend themselves. Exactly. You know, they're not here. Exactly. And I get, you know, some of this stuff, you know, it's like with Whitney Houston and, in, in the Robin situation, I get it. You know, those rumors for uh-huh. years and this stuff. I do believe Robin. But still, like, Whitney's not here to defend herself, whether she was told the truth or not. I don't know. <laughs> right. And, and I, I I have a podcast. I'm going to do a show, too. I said, and I said, it's, uh, the title of the show is Great That You Walk In Your Truth, But Make Sure That You Don't Have a Lie or a questionable statement about somebody else attached to your truth. Make sure that you leave them the opportunity to share their truth as well. So I definitely feel you on that. Like, I don't want to die and somebody else attempt to tell the narrative of my story. You know, uh, uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. That was a great, Absolutely that was not, a great example there because, yeah, that that's... Mm-mm. Yeah, now, this I, I want word, to have lived so... Okay. I want to have lived so that, again, if someone do try to come up with something, everybody, the majority of people, that, no, that, that don't even sound right. <laughs> I, what, no, get out of here. You right, know what I mean? Though. I, I, I want to have, yeah. have an army of people to be like, that's not even, what, what, what are you trying to gain from this? Sit down somewhere, yeah, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly, and that, that's lit. I call it living out loud, and I feel that's what you have to Absolutely. do. You have to do that, yo. You have to do that, especially in us in the the way the society is today. You have to live out loud, own it, and enjoy it. Right. All right. So now the last word is purpose. 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 Well, I believe in the scripture where in Jeremiah, uh, where uh, it states, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I already predestinated your life. I already ordained you. I already set you apart. So I believe everybody is born with purpose. 
I believe that. I really do. I was just telling a cousin on tonight, she was saying how she likes to read a lot, but her daughter doesn't. And I and I begin to tap in and say to her, well, listen, I get she don't like to read, but what is her strength? She was like, math. I said, okay, well, let's build this map. Yes, she has to read for this and that, but don't make her do something that is, you know, that, that she doesn't, you know, that she's not strong in or, you know, partially not gifted in in many words. And I said, I feel like a lot of mm-hmm. us grew up that way. Mm-hmm. I was telling my aunt a couple of weeks ago, I have a cousin that's a dancer. You know, she found a couple of her old report cards. And I was saying, wow, auntie, look at that. You know, all of her subjects were basically Ds and Cs and, and Fs, but in chorus and dance, it was A+. plus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I was telling my aunt, I said, wow, look, who would have thought today she would be where she is? But thank God you never stopped her, you know, from wanting to dance or sing or whatever else. You know what I mean? So I feel like if a lot of our parents and different people have tapped into certain things, a lot of us would understand our purpose. A lot of us wouldn't be, you know, everywhere and doing what – because I remember a time before I wanted to go to the military because my dad wanted me to go. And I wanted to, mm-hmm. again, appease him. I wanted to make him happy. But on the inside, inside, I, I didn't think because I didn't, I didn't need discipline in many words. Like when I thought about the military, I was like, you know, I was a good kid. I think I was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, when my mom said come in at a certain time, yeah, I did little sneaky things here and there. But again, I was a guy right. that listened. I was afraid of trouble, so I did not like punishment. I didn't like beatings. I didn't feel like it. You know, when I saw cousins getting those things, I'm just like, why well, did you just listen? You know. Well, growing up with my, my 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 maternal grandmother, when she would say things, I would be the one to always listen. I had a cousin that called me the other day from jail. He said, Mike, I said, don't come with me with all that stuff, you know, about our grandmother. I said, you should have just listened. <laughs> right, right, right. You know? Okay. And I get it. Everybody's not, you know, me, but I was just like, you could have just listened and you could have leave me all this. Now you now you in there with all the time in your hand and you want to talk about wish it could have. Could have. I get it. You know? Mm-hmm. But I'm not no perfect than you, and that's what I told him. We grew up in the same house. I just chose to right, listen. Right. <laughs> right. So you're not going to make me feel bad for listening. I saw the same thing you saw. I saw most of our uncles in, in and out of jail. I saw most of our parents on drugs and us on welfare and us, you know, struggling. I saw my grandma cry, you know, many a nights praying for her family because it was in a disarray and it was just chaotic and all her daughters was except for one was doing drugs and you know including my mom i saw her the hurt and the agony and seeing that made me say you know what whenever grandma said let's go to church or whatever grandma said i'm gonna do it this lady's old i don't want to see her you know what i mean and so i had told her i said seeing you argue with our grandma man like i just i couldn't believe it you know and now he's in jail he'll be out in two years thank god but still um so yeah, I, you know, I said all to say again, purpose, purpose is something I believe we all have to find, you know, and it's hard finding it again when you've been shaped or you've been molded to be whatever da 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 da. But I believe everybody has purpose, you know. Some people go down the wrong path, you know. Some people, some people go down the right path. But I believe we're all born for a reason, whatever that reason might be. Uh, only God knows. Right, and I and like the example for it all. I like the example you used about at a time you were going to go into the military because you know that's what your father had did. Um, because I I always tell the same story when it comes to purpose. When I was younger, I loved playing baseball. I wasn't 
I didn't like basketball. I didn't like football. I watch it, but I didn't like to play it. But I was made to play basketball. Why? Because that's what it seemed like everybody in the area did. And I hate it really made me hate it, like with a passion. And when I grew up and I was started working with young people and different things like that, I saw where sometimes the parent or the grandparent or uh, the uncle, whoever it was that they looked up to, was trying to make them do something that, you know, you saw like it just wasn't their, the gift there. It just wasn't there, but they had something over here that they were gifted at, but because it wasn't a popular thing, they were discouraged from going towards it. And I like how you said sometimes with those situations, it makes it hard for somebody to discover their purpose. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I now, believe that's many of us. Now let's talk, let's stay right there with purpose, okay? What is your okay. purpose? My purpose? My mm-hmm. purpose is to... um You know, from a little boy, I've been able to gather people. I've been able to encourage people. I've been able to um, push people. Um, I I believe my purpose is to be a servant leader Um, and being that, like I said, and also a transformational leader. And a transformational leader is one that, again, you know, a plethora of people. Like, I'm able to go into different places and just, you know, um, and, you know, able to, again, gravitate those people gravitate to me so i believe my purpose again is is to help um uh, help people understand what life is all about you know um and to live it to its fullest and to be whatever they desire to be or they feel they're called to be and if that doesn't work out you know pushing them to understand okay that didn't work out but what's next you know what i mean and help them to Mm -hmm. you know filter out you know um what they think should be or what they were taught in many words. Okay. Now I want to ask you a question just about what you just said there. Okay. As Mm -hmm. it relates to your purpose, you said that you've been able to do that uh, from, you know, a young age. Did you recognize early on that that was purpose inside of you or was it like as you got older, you realized and thought back to it and was like, dang, I've been doing this for a minute, yo. You know, now that I'm being 35, I've been doing a lot of reflecting. And um, I've been doing a lot from a kid, you know, just to be transparent. My mother's side, my maternal side, she is very large. Um, she has 10, is 10 siblings. And um, I only have one aunt, one aunt that basically graduated regular as far as high school, um, everyone else graduated from um, special class or whatever else. Um, so they, they're not really able to write or articulate too well. Um, so I was the guy, again, my mom couldn't read or really write or articulate well. But my mom forced me, not say forced me, but she encouraged me to read and do all these different things. And so from a little boy, everybody would just always say, Michael, you can do it. Michael, you can do it. So I had that push and that encouragement to where I'm like, right. wow, if I felt I couldn't do it, I, I didn't want to shame my grandma or my mom, so I would do it, basically. So from a little boy, I just, you know, if y'all want me to call this person and y'all want me to arrange this funeral like I was doing this stuff from a little kid. <laughs> Got you, I feel you. 
Yeah. Okay. So, so it so made me now, tap into, like I said, now that I'm older, yeah, it made me tap into those things and really just go with it and run with it now. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, you talked about the ministry side of things. Okay. When, when, when did you, um, get involved in ministry as it relates to the whole preaching? Uh, cause I think you said you, I believe you said you were a minister. Yeah, I'm I'm ordained elder. I was ordained at 21. But when I, when I was a little kid, um, my my both my grandma kept me in church, my maternal and paternal grandmothers, and uh, one in particular. Well, both of them made us play church growing up. But one in particular, my grandma <laughs> here in New York, um, she I always told people I had the best of, best of both worlds. I had an apostolic side and I had a Baptist side. So my okay. father's mother is apostolic. And my mother's mom is definitely Baptist. But when she moved to New York, she left her Baptist church and um, she started attending the apostolic church, you know, with my paternal grandmother. So she she loved our home church, but she would always tell me later on, it don't take all that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) She She would always say, listen, I love Bishop and the Saints. But it don't take all that, Michael. Just love God. Have him in your heart. It's okay to have a little drink. And I used to be conflicted a little bit because, you know, you have the other grandma mm-hmm. that's, you know, you like, uh-uh, Jesus only, you know. That's the <laughs> yes, devil. Uh, you know, we go into prayer. I remember some Sundays she would make us drink blessed oil and tell us that God would bless yeah. us. And she was really saved, you know, once she got into um, the uh, holiness church. And so – um it was always conflicting for me um, and with that being said, and I was always, like, finding myself at a crossroad. But make a long story short, I gravitated more to the holiness side because when I would go back, you know, my mom, we left New York when I was seven, and we went back to her hometown in Charleston, South Carolina. So we went to my grandma's church, of course, and it was a Baptist church, missionary Baptist church, and they, you know, they didn't really let the spirit operate and move. You know, and when it did, I remember them sitting people down and fanning them and all that good old stuff. But on summers and Christmas time, she would always send me to New York to be with my paternal side. And being at that church and seeing people shouting and foaming at the mouth and, you know, it was a good time. And the anointing, as they called it, was high and people getting the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget our bishop preaching about the Holy Ghost. I never heard that in the Baptist church, the Baptist church I, you know, went to. And him saying that you needed this power. You know, and I was just like, well, I got to get this power. <laughs> so as a little boy, I gravitated to our bishop, um, our pastor, and I just fell in love with him. I, it was something about my former pastor that just, I just idolized him. I loved that man with my whole life. And um, I, I would come home and tell my grandma, I said, well, Big Ma, I want to be like Bishop. And she said, you want to be like Bishop when you grow up? And fast forward, and, you know, when I turned 14, they had, you know, I got the Holy Ghost at 12 at one of the conventions in our state convention in New York. And, um, you know, Bishop was very excited. He said, my boy got the Holy Ghost, da 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 spoken tongues. Fast forward when I was 14, uh, 15, well, 14, um, going on, well, I was 15, uh, Bishop, they had asked me as one of the young people to give remarks for his birthday service. And I told him I loved him. And I said, Bishop, Preferably one day I could be like you. And, oh, my God, his eyes lit up. He got up and he said, oh, children, church, the mark is on this young man. The mark is on his forehead. And I'm like, oh, what are you talking about? You know how the old school preachers talk. I'm like, a mark. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he told me at 15, he said, if you pray, son, 
God's going to show you, and you're going to be a preacher. And I'll never forget, uh, Clifton, I did not pray for a long time, maybe about three or four months. And when I did pray, I had a dream. I saw me wearing a vest, black and white. I saw me preaching in front of our congregation. And I'll never forget, I woke up and I was crying. I told my grandma what happened. And she said, well, you need to tell Bishop. And she said, you sure you're ready for this? I said, well, Bishop said, if I prayed, you know, God's going to show me. I got to do this. Like, this is God we're talking mm-hmm. about. <laughs> and right. I remember her saying, you know, when you're young. And I said, I get all that big mom. But Bishop said, God said. And she was like, okay, okay. And um, I told Bishop. And he said, well, son, you know, God is calling you. That's what I was trying to tell you back then. And it's time. It's time. And so that's when I uh, got into ministry. I was 15 years old. I was the youngest minister in our church, in my local church, and um, I served as the youth 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 uh, president, youth pastor, uh, taught Sunday school, um, directed our choirs, played drums. Um, I was, uh, you know, tell people all the time, I was my pastor's chief armor bearer, chief adjutant for many years before he died. He died when I was 21. Um, yeah, so, well, he died when I was 20, sorry. Um so yeah, it, it was it, it, it that's when I knew you know I, I was like I said called into ministry. Okay, now ministry then and ministry now for you has your perspective of ministry changed? Your outlook of ministry changed? Your expression of ministry changed? Have any of those All things of it. changed? All of it. Okay. All of it has changed. The only thing that has not changed okay. is God. <laughs> and and my love for God, but my my delivery, my way of thinking, my beliefs, my um, you know what was taught in those different things. And not saying it was bad. There's a lot of things that you know mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say it was bad, but I thank God for what it was at that time. But as I I went to a Bible college, Nyack College, Nyack, New York. Um, when I got okay. there, I was able to understand and rightly divide the word and to see it deeper than what was being taught in our church. You know, our pastor had a fifth grade education, um, but he was anointed, you know. Um, right, so right. he read certain scriptures literally, you know. Children, the scripture says faint not, you know. We were taught, okay, God gives power to the faint. But the word faint simply means don't give up, not literally fainting, you know what I mean? So, um, I, I, I'm st- I, I, like I said, a lot has changed. So where I am now is, I, I, I've been basically, I feel like I'm pushed to help people to understand what scriptures mean or what this mean or why we do this or why we should not do this anymore or why they did that in 1960, 70, you know, 80, whatever else, and how it worked then and it's not going to work now. So that's what I feel like I'm really called to do and compel and to ask. Like I ask a lot of questions. Like my grandma asked her a lot. Like why, 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 why do we do this? Well, Bishop said, oh, now, okay, I get it. Yeah, y'all still continuing yeah. some things that was, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think it's that um, I always talk to individuals and I tell them, one of the things that I hate to hear said, <laughs> I don't, I've always been like this, though. I hate to hear it said, well, my pastor said, my pastor, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, did you search it and research it for yourself? So. Okay, so now let's look at ministry as far as it as um, it relates to you now. Um, how do you see it now? How do you see 
ministry, do you still see it as the um, attending church on a weekly basis, on, you know, Sundays or some of us worship on Sabbath? Do you see it as, as that model? Or do you see ministry as, yo, I can take ministry to the club. I can take ministry to the street. I can take ministry, you know, yeah. wherever, whatever. Yeah, that that's where I am, brother, bro. I, I, I feel ministry is everywhere like Jesus was. I feel like ministry is in the club. I feel like ministry is in a lounge. I feel like ministry is in the church walls, you know, four walls. I feel like ministry is in your neighborhood. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so that's what prompted me to start Life with Mike. Uh, a couple of months ago via Facebook because, um, like I said, I was looking at different people's lives, and there was a lot of negativity and a lot of this and that. And I'm like, Lord, you know, basically the Lord spoke to me. I, I, You know, after, you know, and I had the conversation with God, and he said, the truth shall make you free. You know, and I'm like, wow. And and the Lord began to deal with me on my life and my stories and my testimonies and those different things I've gone through. And he said, I want you to tell it and be bold and not be afraid. I got you. So that's why I started my Facebook Live, uh, Life with Mike, to talk about a plethora of things, you know, not just my HIV status. But there's a lot of things that occurred in my life that I was privy to or that I went through, and I just never talked about it. Because, like I said, I started ministry at 15, you know, and even at 15, I never talked about things that happened before 15. And even in 15 and the moving forward, the different things that I have gone through, I never talked about it because I was just that preacher, you know. I was Minister Michael. I was all those different things. But I dealt with low self-esteem. I dealt with suicide. I dealt with molestation. I dealt with, um, you know, uh, being uh, rejected. I dealt with women or girls at the time, I want to call it. I dealt with boys or men, you know what I mean, in college. Like, there's a lot of things that I went through and went through a roller coaster of what is right, what is wrong, deciphering and pushing, you know, try, trying to figure out what was right and filtering out what was taught and what they said in the church and, oh, I'm going to go to hell. Like, there was a lot of things that I had to go to God in prayer for and God just continued to show me that he was with me. And so with that being said, that's why I just became so bold and say, you know what, God, as long as you're with me, I know they sing a song, as long as I got King Jesus, but a lot of people really don't mean that because what it really (laughs) means even in that is, God, if you are on my side, that means I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be ridiculed, I'm going to be cast out. Family, friends may not like me no more for exemplifying truth. So are you okay with that? And I told God I was okay with it as long as he proves to me that he's with me and he can use an angel unaware, as the scripture says, to bless me, I'll be all right. And God has been doing that, man. Awesome. Now, let's talk life with Mike because that's where I was going next, okay? Um, okay. That's where I saw I, – no, before I watched life with Mike, I saw – I can't remember what it was, but I believe – uh, it was something you had delving Eugene Reese on, but uh, it was at that when I first saw the life with Mike, I was like, I have to have him on the show because when I looked at it, I saw it as ministry, but I saw the um, the draw. I guess I would say the draw or the ecstatic atmosphere like that was created from it, like the hypeness, the de- how you were dancing and how you implement the music mm-hmm. within it and everything. Um, 
Was there a struggle with starting it, or were you just at that place where when God told you to do it, you just said, "Hey, let's do it." It, it was a struggle. It was it was very very scary, um, because now I'm really I'm talking, I'm exposing, mm-hmm. um, I'm bringing mm-hmm. truth. Um, so it was, and my first episode was "My Name Is Cocaine." Um, Mm-hmm. And that one, I th- thought people people probably thought I was going to talk about myself being on cocaine. No, never did. Not not. But I, I used that to talk about my father, and not in a negative way, but to help somebody mm-hmm. because both my parents were were addicts. For me growing up, my mother has now been cleaned over twenty years. My father did not, you know, um, did not go to rehab or those things, and so he succumbed to it. And you know, the ending of his death certificate said cause of death is cocaine um and what happened was a lot of my friends you know that i started you know talking to uh you know got reincarnated with they was like oh sorry your dad died the stroke this is i'm like no 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 my dad didn't die and i know you don't have to really get into how a person died but i'll never forget it was just like a pulling on me like just be honest you know your dad od right be honest you know your dad had an issue not that he was a bad person but everybody has an issue. Everybody has a struggle, Absolutely. you know. And and and, and and talking about his story, you may be able to save someone's life. So that's why I named it. My name is Cocaine. I talked about both my parents. You know, I talked about you know my dad, the the, the good and the bad of our relationship. You know, but mm-hmm. looking at it in a deeper uh, place, that you know there was obviously a mental illness. There was stuff going on with him that was deeper. So that's why I was able right, to forgive right. him and aid him and be with him until the day he died. You know, even though he wasn't, say, you know, as people say, really in your life or your father figure, you know. I mean, I can count the mm-hmm. many times my dad gave me money or did different things. But when he had his stroke, I immediately ran to his rescue and became his aide because the power of forgiveness and the power of love compelled me, that, you know. And like that. I said, looking at it deeper, yeah. Looking at it deeper, my dad had some issues, you know, and 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 not everybody's mm-hmm. gonna go to rehab. Not everybody's gonna go to counseling and all those different things. So that's why I love him so until he died. But that was the cause of his death. That was the that was that that mm-hmm. was you know what contributed to his death. You know him him having his last you know situation and he had a brain aneurysm. So that was my first live, and um, I didn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't feel the need because it's my father. You know, um, right. it was my experience. Um, you know, it was his story. But I, I I, went through most of his story. I have. And I was there through most of his story. I was there through most of, you know, the pawning of stuff. And me, as a kid, you know, he he allowed me to cut cocaine up. Not knowing what it was, being mm-hmm. older now, looking back, like, oh, my God, that was drugs. You know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> me being in rooms right. with him with prostitutes and women as he slept with them and I'm in the next bed but he thought it was cool and he thought that was a relationship he wanted to have with his son you know mm-hmm. so those are the things that I talked about like I said to help someone else because this is a big world bro and there's a lot of people that feel like or have gone through similar things or gone through things and they feel like they're alone and I just I felt like God wanted me to use me and to say listen I want you to help people that they're not alone because the scripture says we overcome, and that's what the scripture, you know, the Lord kept dropping in my spirit one night I was sleeping. We overcome by one of one another's testimonies. Testify. Tell it. You know, I, I, like I said, talking about the holiness church, we'll say, oh, God brought me out. Well, what did he bring you out of? I need you to specify. 
you know? What did he deliver you from? Right. Are you okay? Because if he delivered right. you from it or brought you out, you should be able to talk about it without shame. Because if you feel shameful about it, that's nothing but the trick of the enemy. That's nothing but your enemies and the people around you that may know your story, but they're trying to shame you. But if you're free for real and you've been brought out and you've been washed by his blood, then listen, I'm free. And who the son is that free? is free indeed, right? <laughs> but I, I indeed. like this. I like what you're saying here because – that's see that's what ministry is to me. I feel like uh, as you were talking, you were talking about just fully sharing it. I feel like that's what draws and compels people. I I, I remember growing up um, before I I started preaching at the age of nineteen, but before that I remember struggling and even when I started ministering, feeling as if I didn't even deserve to preach because of the struggles I were ha- I was having within myself and it was like nobody was talking about them type of struggles so I'm sitting there thinking something's wrong with me you know until I got to that space where I was willing to own it and just boom let it out you know let it all out and I feel like to reach the people that need to be reached you need that type of ministry. That that ministry mm-hmm. can be more effective with them, especially in the time that we live in now. Now I'm gonna tell you, yeah. I, you talked us off the air. We're off the air right now, but as I said, we are still recording. And I I, I want to talk just a little bit more about the whole um, life with Mike and and all of that before we go into the three questions. If that's okay with you. Okay. Okay. Now. The, the 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 vision of life with Mike. Um, did it just start with you sharing your story, or you had the idea of others coming on and sharing their story as well, or you just didn't know where exactly it was going to go next and how it was going to shift and all of those things? It, it was more about me um, sharing, but then mm-hmm. also bringing people on to also show freedom as well. Um, giving people a platform to discuss and talk about or whatever experiences that they they've gone through. It is not a show where people come on and say Clifton did it. I, I don't. I tell all of my yeah. um, individuals yeah. that come on, we're not giving them any credit, <laughs> any glory. Just tell your right, story, right. what happened, how it happened, when or whatever. Now, family or friends that know stories that you're talking about, want to put two and two together. Let them do that on their own. But we're not going to sit right. here and say it was Bishop so-and-so. No, we're not throwing people under the bus, you know. Right. We're not because they're truth, and, and like I said, whatever they've done, it's going to find them. Whenever, I don't know. Yes. You know, so yes. that's what I encourage people all the time. Vengeance is mine, stay at the Lord. Stay out of it. So it happened. You know, you were freed from it. You talk about it. Now what? So the now what is what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Right. And that's like what life right. with Mike. Life with Mike, I'm doing the work. We're helping people to understand that, okay, it's okay to be, or you went through this. Don't stay there. You can you can still live on purpose. You can live with purpose. You can live for purpose. You know, there's purpose in you. We're going to have to find that. We're going to have to dig through some things. And once we get through all of that, you know, you can live abundantly. So, yeah, that, that that's, that's the thing with life with Mike. Yeah. Okay, okay. 
Um, now, I want to ask you this question because we talked about the ministry side, and then you talked about when you got to college, you know, um, you started having relationships with men. How did you handle the ministry with that as well, the thought process of it, the whole, you know, because we talked about, you know, the thoughts of I'm going to hell with certain things. How did you handle that? God, no one's ever asked me that, really. I um, oh, my first encounter, my, no, no, you're fine. No, I'm just laughing because I'm like, okay, wow, okay, always okay. talked about it. But for you to ask it, I'm just like, wow. Um, the first thing I, what happened was, um, my freshman year, you know, I dated a girl for a semester and then, well, I actually dated a guy first, or uh, whatever. But anyways, um, what really happened was I was going through uh, self-esteem issues. Low self-esteem. I was very, very skinny, hated how I looked, hated my body. And so um, there was a young man on campus from Baltimore who was flashy and colorful. And I'll never forget, people used to say, oh, he's gay, he's this and that. But there was something about him and not that I thought he was attractive. It was just something about him that I was like, you know what, I think he's a good person. He's a cool person. To make a long story short, we became friends. And we we started talking about life and things we've gone through. And he began to encourage me and say, listen, man, you're beautiful. And I'm like, me? Oh, God, I'm skinny. I'm black. And I'm all these things. He's like, what? He's like, man, your waist size is this. And people die for that. You know, people get surgery to have that kind of waist. And, man, you know how much nice stuff this will look on you. And you wear too many dark colors. And you need to wear. So he really helped boost my esteem. He really did. And um, from there, a relationship began to you know, basically happened. And I'll never forget, every time I laid down with this young man, I went upstairs to my dorm room and I cried and I prayed. I'm like, Lord, this is wrong. Take it away. Da, 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 blah, 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 blah. And so um, I thought I was being, I thought I was delivered. He left. Um, right. He didn't make it one semester. He had to leave. And so um, in that semester, um, when he left, I got, a girl, got it with a girl. And I was, like, thanking God. I was like, well, this must be God's way of delivering me. And I remember telling the girl I dated, I had an experience with a dude, and she said she had an experience with a female, and I just thought we had something in common. But make a long story short, she was still messing around on me with women, you know. And so uh, when that came out, it just kind of, like, punched me. And I'm like, well, what am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? And like I said, being in ministry, I felt like a lot of girls only wanted me because of my title and who I was. And I didn't yeah. like those kind of girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't. And so, like I said, fast forward, and when I graduated high school, college, you know, um, I went to my first gay club with a friend, and I'm like, let's go to gay club. And I met someone that I liked, and that's all she wrote, you know. Um, realized then, like, I, even now, 35, I'm attracted to women. I like women, but I, I won't sleep with them. I won't, you know, really entertain because my desire is really for male, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so gotcha, that that's gotcha. kind of like basically how that happened. And so even in that decision, I didn't want to be like a lot of individuals I know in ministry, having yeah. a wife or yes, having sure. a girlfriend, but messing yes, with dudes. Sure. I get it. I, I, and that's what the one, the so one I made I that choice. I made, I made that choice. Mm-hmm. I made that choice because, again, I, I don't want to gamble with people's lives. Um, right. I I I don't want to be a part of you know nonsense and mess and to each his own. But I was just like, you know what, mm-hmm. Mike, if you're gonna be with men, be with men. 
You're gonna be with women, be with women, but don't 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 try that whole I'm struggling and that no, 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 no. I think most people that say they're struggling, they're not struggling. They're struggling with what they were taught. They're struggling with what right. they believe. No, well, not what they believe, but right. what people and families and people. churches and all those things and religion and tradition has said it's wrong. But they like what they like, okay? Right. But until they become honest with themselves, they're going to keep dipping and dabbing and get what they want and these little fixes here and there. And it becomes, Absolutely. again, like you know, you probably know people that are older than you now that you hear, oh, child, I hear they, da, da, da. they still doing this thing at 80 years old, hiding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I said earlier. Don't die without your freedom. I don't want to be that person right. at 85, 90, and when I die, all these now secrets come out and people, oh, yeah, we slept together. No. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I, I laugh yeah. because I'm just listening. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. That's why I'm writing my own story. You're not writing. I will write my own. Yeah. Okay, so. And I, and I, so now. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. You're no, good. go ahead. Okay, so now. Um, as it relates to life with Mike, what else do you have? Uh, do you have anything else that's coming up, any uh, future events or near events that are coming up that you would like to share with us? Yeah. Well, yeah, on Monday, um, Monday, December 16th, I'm doing a, uh ugly Christmas sweater party, but we're asking individuals to bring scarves, coats, I mean, scarves, gloves, and hats. Um, on Tuesday, December 17th, I'm going to Women Empowerment. It's a domestic violence shelter in New York, and they're doing a um, – my godmom, Reverend Patricia Morris, is doing a luncheon for them. And so she asked me to partner with her by providing gift bags to the mothers, basically. Because, you know, everybody mostly do toy drives and all those different things. But we thought it would be good to honor parents, you know, because a lot of parents don't get anything for Christmas. And so we're just going to keep it simple, uh, scarves, gloves, and hats. And um, they, we got some other little cosmetic stuff that we're going to put in the bag. But that's happening, uh, like I said, the benefit is happening on Monday night from 8 to midnight at Alibi Lounge on 7th Avenue, 139th, West 139th and 7th Avenue in Harlem, New York. Um, but if you go on my page, you can see where I also post it. If you can come and bring it, if you can't, we're asking everyone. We asked about 45 people to give $12 to help, you know, cover what we may not get Monday so that every every uh, woman, it's 45 of them, can get something on Tuesday. Um, so you can give to my PayPal or Cash App. And so what I'm going to do Tuesday is take pictures and um, show everyone basically the contributions uh, to this woman of um, empowerment, uh, domestic violence shelter. So that's the last thing that I'm doing for 2019. Uh, so after Monday, I'm taking a break. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, um, I'm going to let you give information about when Life with Mike airs and how people can get up with you and all of those things at the end. But I want to ask you these last three questions, and then I'm going to let you go, sir. All right. right, Let me find it here. Okay. Now, what advice would you give to someone who is struggling with um, making decisions, as we've been talking about all night, 
with making decisions that people don't agree with? Basically, how do you, what advice would you give to someone that's still struggling with the thoughts of other people? Yeah. I, I, I would really, I would tell that person basically to find people or, or gravitate to those that, again, that, that can exemplify basically freedom um, and them living on purpose and with purpose and for purpose and not afraid, you know, and, and them being able to show them that this is what it looks like, you know, it's okay. They're not going to like you. They're going to hate on you. They're going to talk about you. But be the best you can be. Be, you know, all that you can be. And don't be afraid. Like like I said, fear and freedom only comes from our thoughts and from, again, what, you know, what religion, tradition, what family has had instilled in us. But you don't have to filter that out, you know, and you're going to have to trust the process. And that's not easy for everybody, you know, but um, and it looks different for everybody. But just, again, having someone like me or other people, you know, yourself, that, that can basically show the way. Because I am that guy. I feel like I'm that guy. I get calls all the time. I get uh, private messages all the time from people I don't even know. And I and I try to get them all that I can, you know, uh, uh, wisdom and, and spilling out all that I can. Because I want to I see people live their best life. You know, because there are a lot of people here contemplating suicide and, and feeling like they're yes. unworthy and feeling like they're – they're, they're less than the different things. A young man called me the other night after I did a live. Boy, he messaged me at 2 in the morning and said, he, can you talk, please? And I was just, uh, so I said, yeah, you know, crying. You know what I mean? Just hysterically crying mm-hmm. because of what he was going through. And like I said, man, listen, it's going to be all right. You know, this relationship, if it's over, like, you can begin again. This is a big world. Like, you know, we're going to find a way to get you out of this situation. So I begin to speak life and, and encouragement to him. So, that's what I would tell an individual. You know, most times our surroundings is what really, really bottles us down. You know, and a lot of us don't even recognize that we're breeding off of one another. You know, negativity, all those different things. You got to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, the second question is, here we like to recognize those who have made an impact on our lives, Okay. We call them transforming transformers. They can come in the form of mentors, pastors, you know, whatever. Uh, Do you have one to three people that you would like to acknowledge that have been those transforming transformers in your life? Yeah, one one is not here, but my I would say my pastor, my founding pastor, Apostle James Pitt. Um, found out the way to cross Tabernacle of Christ in heart, the heart of Harlem, New York. I really thank God for him, man. He he instilled in me what it is to be humble. He also instilled in me what it was to be a real man. Um, I always tell people after he died, you know, I, I, I met a lot of male pastors that basically had another motive or wanted something different, you know, whether they were married or, or single. But this man, like I said, I would tell people and joking, if he was gay or like men, he never tried me. He never showed me that part, you know, which I know he wasn't. And so I thank God for that. He was really, truly a spiritual father in my life. You know, he believed in me no matter what people felt or said. That man really believed in me. So I would say he's number one. I will also give accolades to my late maternal grandmother, uh, Lizzie Mae Lapson. She was also one. She protected me, defended me, believed in me, and really pushed me. She pushed me to do a lot, you know. She pushed me to drive at an early age. She pushed me to read at an early age and write and, and even cook. You know, I'm a great cook. 
she taught me all those things okay. because she was always sick and couldn't do these things. And so, you know, she just really trusted me to be that person to call my aunts and bring the family together and 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 and, and all that stuff. So I would I would give that to her. And then lastly, I would say my late paternal grandfather Ernest McMillan, my father's father. He was truly um, a godsend, and I, and what I mean by that is he showed me what it is, what it was to be a provider. He showed me what it was to be silent in the sense of just being humble. You know, um, he showed me what it was to 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 give love. He was just a loving man. Um, oh, he had a past, but I don't know him from his past. I know him from the time I was born, and from that time, he was nothing but good to me. You know, good to our family just a humble guy and, and, and a lover of people, you know, even if he made a joke about him later on, he just loved people and he <laughs> made everyone feel welcome. So I would, I would use those three people um, for now. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And our last question, this is a question I'd like to end with everybody. Mike, who is God to you? Oh God. Who is God to me? Um, God is God is God is what we look at every day. God is people. God is relationships. Um, God is trust. God is even in our fear. God is even in the unknown. Um, God is even in the knowing. I feel like God is everything, basically. Mm-hmm. He is the all in all, as the song says. God is. So I believe God is everything around us. We just have to be able to see it, feel it, know it, trust it, you know, trust instinct. That's that's who God is. Awesome, awesome. Again, I thank you for joining us on tonight. I thank you for your willingness to share your story. Um, with our listening audience. So what I want you to do now is I want you to give everybody information on how they can connect with you on social media, let them know when Life with Mike airs, um, also remind them about Monday and how they can donate, all of those things. Okay. Yeah, Monday, like I said, December 16th, if you look on my page right now, you'll see a flyer for a um, uh, for our um, our, our benefit, basically, our drive. So we're asking for scarves, gloves, and hats for women in the domestic violence shelter here in New York City, Women of Empowerment. Uh, so you can bring it on Monday night. I'll be at Alibi Lounge on West 139th and 7th Avenue from 8 to midnight. I'll be there receiving. Or you can go on my PayPal or um, uh, Cash App. So Cash App will be dollar sign Michael McMillan Jr., one word, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-M-C-M-I-L-L-O-N-J-R. So that's Cash App, uh, dollar sign Michael McMillan Jr. PayPal is Michael McMillan Jr. at gmail.com. We're asking everyone if they can just give a donation of $12 towards that. That's it. Um, so you can do it either of those two ways. Um, Life with Mike airs really on Monday nights. Um, we actually finished season two recently. I don't know if I'm coming with a season three yet because uh, a lot of doors is open and different things are happening for 2020. So I'm trying to figure out which way to go now. But uh, we're just ending season two. Um, but if you go on my Facebook page, um, you can find out, see all the old videos from season one and season two. Uh, we're working on YouTube page, and there's a whole bunch of things that we're working on. Uh, there's a lot that has to happen. 
but it's going to come and it's just happening. Um, and so, yeah, you can connect with me on Facebook at Michael McMillan the second, um, um, and, and via, uh, Instagram at Michael McMillan Jr. Um, or you can type in life with Mike, um, either or, but yeah, I pretty much connect with anyone. If you send me a private message, I pretty much respond if you're not being nasty, um, yeah. <laughs> or saying something out of the way, because there are some people that hit me up just because, oh, you're cute. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, yeah. I'm not here for that. But um, yeah, that's what we do. And so, like I said, um, I've been able to also travel and speak. So I'm also, um, you know, you can book me if you want yeah. me to come do small groups, large yeah. groups, yeah. you know, motivational speaker. Um, if you want to hear my testimony, my story, if you want to, you know, have me come and encourage, you know, I still preach. You know what I mean? I still, like I said, do those things. Um, I'm available that way too. Just, just uh, send your information or send hit me up, um, Mike McMillan Jr. at gmail dot com, either or. And um, yeah, someone will, 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 you know, respond to you and we'll set it up. But um, I'm believing 2020 is going to be big. I've gotten calls from London, planning on going there, uh, the, the, the southern states. So I'm just looking to go wherever God. And open the door so we can help people live on purpose for purpose and with purpose. All right, guys, there you have it there. Thank you all for joining us on tonight. Don't forget, join me again this Monday night at 9 p.m. for Transformation Radio 2.0 as I sit down with Mark Coley. To stay up to date with everything going on with the show as well as with everything I have going on, visit my website, www.cliftonpettyjohn.com, all right? Also, be sure to connect with me on social media, on all platforms. Just type in Clifton Petty John. Again, I thank you all for tuning in tonight. There would be no show without you guys. Mike, thank you again for sharing with us. Everyone, thank make you. sure you connect with him. Oh, definitely, no problem. Guys, make sure you connect with him on social media as well, and support all of his endeavors, all right? And as I always say, create a great day, walk with purpose, and by all means, execute your vision. Be blessed. Bless you. So I know you've heard me talk a lot about working with people in entertainment, and perhaps you don't necessarily work in entertainment, and if you do, you may not need a full overhaul at the moment. However, you may be facing a challenge or working on a project that you could use objective perspective or expertise on. Um, this is why I offer consulting. Here are the areas I can help you in. Branding, marketing, creative strategy, spiritual development, identity strategy, style and image, content strategy, entrepreneurship. I would love to work with you to navigate your challenge or to enhance your project. If you want to book a one-time session or inquire about a short-term consulting relationship, you can do both by visiting YourSupernormal.com. Let's get it.